Blog Talk Radio. Muscova Media Podcast. I appreciate everyone listening and sharing the show. You guys are amazing. Uh, <clears throat> so many touching stories on our clubhouse and uh, everywhere. Um, that is uh, just amazing. Uh, so many people are, you know, creating a building um, and growing uh, so many different ways. And um, it's been appreciative of all the great helping guidance. Um, that uh, some of these people have been giving and uh, sharing. Uh, it's been a, a great, great, great thing, uh, especially as I get focused on my goals and dreams and um, get my company, uh, Muscova Enterprises, uh, up and about as I continue to learn and uh, expand my horizons uh, so that I could, uh, you know, grow and share. Because it's all about uh, building uh, these great communities that we all live in all around the globe. Um, Here I am on the east coast of the United States, uh, New York City metro area, uh, Woodbridge area, uh, New Jersey. Not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, But I definitely want to shout out all the wonderful people around the globe, uh, no matter where you are. Uh, so many people from the Netherlands uh, to South Africa uh, to just so many different places around the globe, like even Mexico, uh, Ireland, uh, some places in the UK, and also uh, <clears throat> Ethiopia, South Africa, um, France, um, Bonjour. Uh, and then there's so many uh, amazing uh, people from everywhere. And uh, I see you on the line, Jake. Uh, just going to intro you real quick. And, um, you know, just show some thanks to all the wonderful listeners all around, even the ones on uh, uh, Clubhouse right now that are listening to the simulcast. We have a great, great guest on today. Yeah, um, just want to show some love to also our uh, sponsors. Uh, shout out, I'll see you on the line, Jay. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, um, Dancing in Life. Uh, appreciate you so much uh, for uh, what you do over there. Uh, if you guys want to check out Dancing in Life, um, I got some links on my Facebook or go to uh, my Instagram and uh, check out my uh, About Me and then you can see the Dancing in Life link, which basically was started to help people uh, utilize dancing and movement uh, to release some endorphins and get, you know, that positivity uh, going uh, through their body and system or whatnot. Uh, Now, a system was created uh, on Dancing in Life so that you could pretty much 
you know, realize that you don't have to be a dancer or even have rhythm or dancing skills. And what matters is the movement and the intent behind it. Um, so Dancing in Life is a company that provides free and premium training and coaching to help you overcome crisis and live your best life. It will teach you the power of movement and dance and help you feel better now. And this was started by the home homie, Sage Flow. That's a really cool name. Sounds like a strain. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> he's the, the man behind Dancing in Life. And uh, he utilized a starving career in commercial real estate. But a personal crisis and emotional bottom led to discovering his true self as an inspirational life guide. So go to my Instagram. You can see the link. And uh, it'll take you to the site. And, uh, yeah, I also want to shout out, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Sabina Tech. Uh, for sending me this audio console. I should have been using it right now, um, but uh, basically they sent me an audio console I'm going to be using uh, for probably mostly the filming or whatnot and figure out how to utilize it. Uh, they also sent me a wired mic. Um, I appreciate that. I'm very thankful uh, for that. Um, yeah, they do have a wireless mic that can clip to your lapel and connect by Bluetooth um, to your uh, either phone or uh, camera. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I want to shout out uh, Sabina Tech. Um, it's spelled uh, <clears throat> S-A-B-I-N-E-T-E-K. And Sabina Tech has some amazing products that uh, we can find useful. Um, my homeboy, Jason Ivey, matter of fact, uh, who's on the show, uses their wireless mic uh, for his uh, productions. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, definitely here. <clears throat> but anyway, so I want to shout out to Benetech and their, for sending me that amazing uh, um, technology that they created. Um, they're a company out in China. Uh, and they have offices in uh, California as well. So appreciate you for the wired mic and the audio console. So if anybody needs digital marketing uh, or uh, want to figure out how to build websites or um, do ads or anything like that, I have a, a course on uh, thinkific.com. Uh, it's muscovacademy.thinkific. And you can go there. also have the link on our uh, website. You can go to Instagram, instagram.com slash Fima Scova, and you can check that out. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you can get it on and hopping. Um, as of as far as today, though, uh, we do, like I said, have an amazing, amazing guest. And um, thankfully, uh, uh, Clubhouse is allowing us to network with amazing um, people, basically, that do just, you know, great things. Um, and as you can see on the show, I've had amazing, amazing, uh, inspirational guests that just, you know, have made it through and, 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 you know, showed us that, you know, with some persistence and some resiliency, um, you know, you can reach some of your goals and make them happen and uh, keep making them happen or whatnot. Uh, as we had at, uh, Versa, uh, Reno song, we had Amy Linden, uh, Jason Ivey. Uh, MJ got, we had, uh, we had Terry on, we had, uh, 
boy from Cypress Hill. Uh, so many amazing guests. Um, uh, you know, been great, great, great. But today, uh, you know, I have uh, Jacob Flaherty, who was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, and he actually had an FBI father who was stationed over there uh, in um, PR. And uh, he actually went to a school uh, that was um, relatively uh, good in uh, PR and whatnot, uh, Incarnation Grade School and Je Jesuit High School in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, uh, and then after that, uh, he then moved to Ohio to go to college at Xavier University, where he received a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in business. That's also an interesting trend I'm seeing. A lot of people in uh, the acting world are interested in psychology and the mind. Um, and after college, Jake packed his bags with everything he owned and drove his Honda Accord to Los Angeles to pursue his acting career. I bet he still got good gas um, <laughs> on that trip over there in that Honda Accord um, after, you know, gas mileage. After studying with acting coach John Kirby and waiting tables at Jerry's Famous Deli on Beverly Boulevard in Hollywood, Jake met William Morris VP Betty Frannon McCain uh, while serving her a cup of vegetable soup and signed with them the next day. Dang, I'm about to go there and ask for a job. Shoot, get signed next day. That's like a rap deal. <clears throat> get signed. But anyway, that was a big break in 94. Dang, Jake was breaking rap deals back in 94. Awesome. Um, but it's, but anyway, uh, Jake has since booked over 200 national commercial voiceovers and TV shows. In 2012, Jake started the White Fire Theater Company in Sherman Oaks with artistic director Brian Rouse-Moosin and, and produced all the original productions of the short series, along with creating the Dead Pilot Society in Hollywood Shorts and other various productions. Jake has been teaching at the Los Angeles Performing Arts Conservatory in Santa Monica in various classes since 1998, which then led him to coaching actors, eventually celebrity clients like uh, Ken Duong, so many. Uh, recently, Jake wrote and produced and starred in a web series, Philly to Parent, with Caroline Hennessy, which has been optioned in his shop as a half-hour comedy. He's also wrote his full-length play with playwright Tom Barasuka called Suicidal Blonde, directed by Candy Milo and starring Kimmy Robertson, was sold out six weeks before the COVID-19 global pandemic hit. So that's unfortunate. Um, COVID-19 stopped a lot of people's um, projects and paychecks that we had planned out or whatever. We had to adapt and or whatnot. But um, luckily, we have been able to... Uh, switch course and continue to figure out how to make it work. Uh, his most recent project to be released in 2021 is as one of the six leads in the upcoming feature film Red Pill, written and directed by actress, author, Tony winner, Sonia Pickens, starring Ruben Blades, Catherine Oubre, Luba Mason, Kathy Curtin, Colby Minife, and Adesola Asakalakume. Wow, I can't believe I just said all those words so quick. That was effing amazing. I mean, it's not that complicated, but hopefully I pronounced them right. That would be even better. Jake has now gone back to school and started his MFA in TV film script writing this past May in 2020. The great, great Jake O'Flaherty is here on the line with us today. Thank you, Jake, for stopping by. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. How are you doing, Vickens? 
Great, great. It's a great pleasure to have such an accomplished actor. And, you know, he put so much time studying and, you know, doing the, the other kind of work besides just showing up on set and screen. Uh, it's very uh, inspirational. It makes me, you know, want to push even harder to make things happen myself. Uh, so thank you for all, you know, great work and the, those times, you know, even those dark times no one was around. Appreciate you for still being here. You know, great. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Um, so I, I see that you're going back for your MFA, uh, yet, you you know, you've been working, you've been a part of so many projects. Um, you know, what made you want to go back to school? Because that's interesting. Yeah, you know, when when the coronavirus hit and it made such a drastic change to so many businesses, but especially the entertainment industry, completely shut down. So commercials, TV shows, movies – all production just shut down. There were no auditions for anybody, no actors. There was no work for directors, for producers, for writers, for construction crew, right? Script supervisors. Everybody was out of work. And that was a big wake-up call to me because I have been very blessed and fortunate to work for 26 years consecutively as a member of the Screen Actors Guild since 1995. So I kept thinking, you know, Yes, there's ebbs and flows in this business, but overall, I was fortunate enough to work in some capacity or another. And this time, I couldn't work at all. And it wasn't just me. It was my fellow directors and writers and producers and everyone else. So there was nothing we could do. And we kept thinking, well, all right, next month it'll be better, you know, in March. And then in April, all right, next month it'll be better. But something in the back of my head said, you know what, Jake? you know what, you've been thinking about going back to school for two years now. And you can do a 100% online program. You can be part of an 18-month accelerated program, okay? And you're stuck in your house anyway. You're stuck in front of your computer most of the time anyway. Why not go back to school, get your master's degree, and you would be able to teach at a university level probably by the time all of this gets figured out. And I met Genius. with a couple people that I knew who work in the human resources department at a couple of well-known universities here in Los Angeles. And I said to them, you know, really, am I crazy to think this? And they all told me no. And both universities in my discussion with them, just to get their advice, essentially offered me the opportunity to work as an adjunct professor for the first year at the universities where they work in the human resources department. So just by me reaching out and being altruistic and, and, and seeking their advice, they actually essentially offered me the opportunity for potential employment at the universities where they work if I went ahead and did what I was thinking and got that master's degree. So I knew I was on the right track. So just stop pushing it off, Jake. You know, don't, don't think about any more excuses. Just find the solution. Do it. And that's what I did. I, within a few days, I was doing research, found a program online, 100%, with a master's degree, an MFA, master's in fine arts, not an MA, in all three, TV, film, and script writing. Because what I also realized in my discussion with both of these uh, schools uh, and these people I knew in the human resources department is that most of the instructors had master's degrees in TV and film but they did not have it in script writing. So if I made sure that I found a very specific school 
that had the online program for all three, that would make me more unique as a potential instructor at a variety of different universities. Wow. So that's what I did. I started. I'm glad I did. But I'm telling you, the first two semesters came and went. I worked my butt off. I have a 4.0 grade point average. And then I'm in seven weeks now into the third semester, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I, am, I am up till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, reading, taking notes, studying, taking notes, taking tests, writing, you know, eight-page term papers. I am exhausted. <laughs> I am just, like, ready to um, – to, to take a break at this point, but I know I've got to stick with it because the end result will be well worth it. Yeah, I bet it's, it's uh, it is well worth it. Um, you know, <clears throat> getting that master's. Um, matter of fact, what school are you actually going to? The school I'm at is called Regent University. And again, the reason I picked that one is because it is a 100% online program with a MFA, Master's in Fine Arts, which is the highest level you can go with that. And it's because it's in all three, TV, film, and script writing. Um, they're based out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, kind of there in the Midwest. Um, it's essentially a, a Christian school. Um, I wanted to originally check into Cal State Northridge because it was actually five minutes driving distance from my home out here. But in Los Angeles, but they only had a program in either script writing or a master's in TV and film. You had to get two separate masters there in order to accomplish the same thing that I'm accomplishing here in one online program. Yeah, um, three birds with one stone. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's genius. Um, what was it like uh, when you first got that job in Hollywood um, and you made that trip over there um, just before, you know, you met that woman? Um, what, what, how were you feeling and, and what was that like, you know, that experience of, you know, going into the almost the unknown? Did you have a network out there already or? I did not. No, I, I had a psychology degree and I actually got a, a business minor as well. So I could have graduated early from college because I took 18 credit hours each semester. But I really was enjoying being in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was making lifelong friends. And I, w I was in my rhythm and my flow of being in school. So I talked with my counselor. I said, should I just graduate early and try to go for an MFA now? And they said, you could do it. Or you could add a business minor at this point and still be able to graduate on time with the rest of the people that you started a school with. And I said, oh, okay, let's just do that then, right? So I can add a business option minor there to my degree, which will also help me get jobs. And so that's what I started doing. I just started adding the business classes um, because I was essentially done – um, in the second semester of my junior year with a psychology degree. So that's what I did. And then I, I graduated and I said, well, what am I going to do? I said, well, you know what? I could do a master's degree at like uh, USC or UCLA, something in California. I knew in my heart and my soul and my mind that I wanted to be in Los Angeles. Okay. Cause that's where all the big acting was going to be. And I did not know anybody. 
I had not one single connection in Los Angeles, not a friend, not a family member. But I was offered in Cincinnati, Ohio, a job working for Staples, right, the office supply company. So I interviewed with them because I saw in the breakdown of the job interviews that were they were handed out to us in that last week of school before we graduated as potential uh, options for employment. And I saw that they were going to be training in Cincinnati, but opening locations in Orange County and Los Angeles. And I said, wow, okay, let me do this interview. So I went, and during the interview, I brought that up, and they mentioned to me the fact that absolutely I would be um, available to be transferred out to Los Angeles after the training program and working with the company for six months in Cincinnati. And I thought to myself, well, this is it. They're going to pay for me to get out there. They're going to put me up in housing, right, for the first several months. They're going to pay me a pretty decent salary. And while I'll be out and, you know, out there, I could start, you know, researching, acting classes and things like that while having employment that will pay my bills. And so that's what I did. So I just, everything else I sold, I had a TV, I had my suitcases, that was it. I drove across the country from Cincinnati to LA. They reimbursed me for gas and for hotels. Uh, they put me up in a um, an apartment for six weeks when I moved out here. All They paid all those costs, and I started to work for Staples right away. And then on, I was working five days a week. So on my two days off, I was trying to figure out where I was going to take a class, and I found one in Los Angeles that was a commercial class, 101 Introduction to Commercials, and I would drive up from Orange County where they were putting me up. It was actually in the Irvine area, and I drove up from Irvine into Los Angeles to take my commercial class, and wow. I loved it. It worked out great, and I did so well in the commercial class that when I was done, the instructor came up to me and said, listen, Jake, you have a natural ability. You're outgoing, you're funny, you're a good listener, um, and you're interesting. You know, I, I think you should meet with my agent. So actually my instructor of my first commercial class gave me the non-union agency that I started my career with. Uh, in those days it was called Liana Fields Agency, if I remember correctly. And so I said, okay, great. Well, now I've got an agent. I start booking non-union commercials right away within about a month. And I saw it's not a lot of money because non-union usually pays significantly less, but I'm making money. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to leave Staples here. So I said, where can I go? So I literally gave them my two weeks notice at Staples. And I started researching, you know, where I could wait tables because all the books I had read about acting, everybody was always a waiter. So I found in the newspaper in those days, <laughs> you opened up the newspaper, and there was an apartment that was for rent on Sunset Boulevard, right? And I, I had heard of the famous Sunset Boulevard. And it was $500 a month, and that included all utilities, right? Now, I was not experienced enough to know that that probably was not a great neighborhood and not a great apartment. <laughs> but for $500, it sounded great. So I drove up to L.A. I found the place. It was actually an old hotel built in the 1920s. 
and and it was it was quite spacious. It was a big one room efficiency that had a nice kitchen area and a walk in closet and a separate bathroom. So I said, you know what, five hundred bucks, all utilities, I'll include, uh, I'll take it. And it was a month to month, which was great. It was not a six month or a one year lease. So I knew that if I didn't love it there, I could find another place and it would give me more time to find a better place. And then when I moved in, I said, you know, I need to find a restaurant. And, and the the guy who was showing me around the apartment said, oh, well, my favorite place is Olive Garden and it's right here on Sunset Boulevard. So that actually went first to the Olive Garden and got a job there. And And then within a very short amount of time, one of the other waiters at the Olive Garden said, well, they're opening Jerry's Famous Deli on Beverly Boulevard across from Cedar sinai Hospital here in Hollywood, right down the street from the Beverly Hills Mall. And I'm going to go there for a job interview. And I said, well, I'll go with you. And so I went with him, filled out the paperwork. They were conducting it at those restaurant. And we went and we both got hired. Okay. And then... Right. You know, from there, I started this place. I had no idea. In those days, Jerry's Famous Deli was the restaurant to go to. It was full of musicians and movie stars and Hollywood agents, and it was the place to go. And it was packed every night. So I was making more money than I had ever made at the Olive Garden, like triple the money. And it was cash chips. And it was Lenny Kravitz on one table and Carol Burnett on another table and some Hollywood legend agent or manager on the other table. And that's the way it was. And so I just was so excited every day to be there. And I was happy and I was running around doing my thing. And then one of the days this actor came in and, and I recognized him from the old days because he, he had done a lot of different things. And his name was, um, oh, gosh, um, I'm going to draw a blank now. Sorry. But um, uh, he was on a series of Sizzler commercials that were running day and night in those days. And it was it was like a Laurel and Hardy character on the Sizzler commercial. And he was the taller, bigger guy. Okay. And he says, you know, you're really great. You're funny. I said, well, thank you. Are you an actor? Of course. I said, yes, I am. And I said, um, um you know, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm an actor. I said, well, I thought so. You know, you looked familiar to me. Um, I'm trying to look him up here right now. And he says, you know, my wife is an agent. Um, I'm going to bring her into the restaurant with me next week here. And uh, I'd like her to meet you. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a bunch of Hollywood baloney. You know how this goes. And you hear these things all the time. And I said, but great. Uh, I, I look forward to meeting her. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Right. Always staying positive always seeing the glass half full, always being kind and respectful. I knew that much. I was raised right <laughs> for mom and dad. And, um, and he brought her in and she introduced herself to me and we talked and she saw me running around waiting tables, you know, like I was doing. And his name is Chuck McCann, M-C-C-A-N-N -N is his last name. And and he's a if you look him up later, you Google him, you'll see he's he started with like Sid Caesar and all these amazing shows and he started movies, you know, with uh, all kinds of amazing actors. He was in you know, movies like Foul Play with Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase and he's done animation movies for years and he was back in the old days of Captain Kangaroo, you know, shows like that. So he's been around forever. 
And so I had a nice little talk with her, and she stopped me at the end before she left, and she says, well, my husband's a big fan of yours. He thinks you'd be great for commercials. And I said, yeah, I've been booking a bunch of non-union ones. And she hands me her card, and she says, would you call me tomorrow at the office? I'd like to either come in for an interview. I said, well, yes, thank you so much. I look at the card. It says, Betty Fanning McCann, William Morris Agency Vice President. And it's just one of those moments where you just stop and and the whole world stops and you look at her. And I said, William Morris. And she said, yes, sir. And I said, yes, ma'am, I will call you tomorrow. Thank you so much. And I called her the next day and she set up an interview for me a couple days later and they signed me. And next minute I know, here I am represented by the William Morris Agency for commercials. And that's where it really <laughs> started to take off. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is incredible. Right? But your right. whole world changes when casting directors, you know, are getting submissions from William Morris Agency for you. Right? Suddenly you start getting big auditions. I was going out three, four times a day for different commercials, five days a week. Wow. Yeah. I still, Betty Fanning is still around, and I, I still stay in touch with her and thank her all the time. You know, I always offer to take her out to lunch because she's in her, I'd say, probably early 90s at this point, late 80s, early 90s. And she's still as sweet as can be, retired, living at home in Beverly Hills. And I'm like, Betty, can I take you out to lunch because you started my career? And she's always like, no, thank you so much. I'm staying in because of the Rona. <laughs> you know. But yeah, that's yeah. really great. Definitely, um, that's a pretty unique story. Um, you know, you you kind of put yourself in that position by, uh, you know, uh, having a different resources around and and getting the different uh, accreditations or whatnot, um, so that when you were around these people, um, you're, you know, you're very comfortable uh, within yourself. Um, it, it seems like, exactly. and they're very attractive to that. Uh, I think what you just said there is the key. It's all about the preparation meets the opportunity. And we never know when the opportunity is going to happen in this business, right? You can go months without a job or an audition. But if you're constantly preparing, not just mentally and spiritually, right, for yourself so that you're a positive person and you're a happy person, but also preparation with reading the books and watching the lectures online and, you know, joining the theater company and doing the staged reading via Zoom and taking the online class, whatever it is, you're, you're constantly building your resume and you're building your confidence so that you're prepared whenever that opportunity arises. Definitely. Um, you know, because uh, sometimes on Clubhouse, uh, different actors come in and uh, they've done their MFA, they've done this or that, and they're not getting bookings and, they're, you know, they're continuing to look for different uh, teachers or whatnot. Um, you know, what, what would you say to a diff- like an actor going through this, you know, kind of demoralizing um, time that in their spirit? Uh, like, what can they do to, you know, really keep pushing forward because I, I like even last night you know this girl was like crying about it so it's like a real thing that people go through absolutely if you're a creative person 
you know, like we are. I, I feel like we're, we're very emotionally connected, more so than other people. So we are emotionally connected to the dialogue when we read it and when we act it out. But we're emotionally connected to other people. We hear it in their voice when they're feeling discouraged or disappointed. And we, when we watch a movie, we can connect to those characters easier because of that. But on the same, which I consider a gift, by the way, I really do. But you have to be careful with that gift because we can find ourselves being very easily disappointed or, or even to the point of being depressed about our situations because there's so much in this business that we really can't control. So I like to focus on what we can control. We can control being positive. We can control working hard and staying busy. So that's what I would say to your question. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, keep reading acting books. Keep watching acting YouTube videos. These are free, right? From your library or online. Keep putting yourself out there on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, that you're available. You know, join all these free um, uh, Facebook pages and sites for actors and artists so that if there is a free Zoom that you could be part of with a staged reading of someone's original script or um, a production of some sort, I know Clubhouse has had a few of them, you can audition online. Right now, it's frustrating and it's anxiety ridden because there's so much that we can't do. We feel like we're locked up in our apartments or our homes right now, not being able to go out there. But write your own monologue. Um, you know, read another book. Uh, watch somebody else's Zoom production of a play and learn from it that way. There's lots of opportunities if you look for them of things to do to keep your mind focused on the positive and the productive. Don't get caught up in, I don't have an agent, I don't have a manager. Well, nothing's going to change if you just stay focused on being disappointed. If you focus on other things that you could learn from, other opportunities to gain more knowledge, other opportunities to be participating in a project, even if it's free, do those things now. Because they will keep your mind strong and they'll keep your confidence that you're in the right direction doing what you love. Right. Um, that, that's some really great advice. I uh, appreciate that. Um, I'm going to definitely uh, share this podcast with her uh, so she can uh, take heed. Um, because, you know, you've been around so long um, <clears throat> and you've done some, such great work and put yourself in such good position. Um, yet, you know, you've kept that great uh, positive attitude where in whatever position you were, whether it's Staples or driving to uh, L.A. or whatnot, having to switch apartments, uh, which seemed like a, probably a downgrade or something, uh, you still, you know, kept pushing forward with that resiliency and pers uh, persistence. Um, you know, as an acting teacher, uh, what what are some methods that you you know you try you try to teach uh, different actors to either you know stay on focus on a character or you know just get rid of their nerves or not? Okay. Well, when I work as an acting coach, I use kind of a little bit different part of my brain, so to speak. 
I focus right away on the dialogue, okay? I read it over and over and over again. So whether that's three times until I understand it or 10 times, it doesn't matter. I just read it over and over. I want to hear myself say all the lines. And then I start to write notes to the sides of the line, meaning the note is how I'm feeling when I say the line. Am I confused? Am I frustrated? Am I happy? Am I trying to be manipulative? Am I trying to be... Um, to, to focus on my point, right? I'm writing these notes. And these notes are also coming from the grammar of the dialogue and the punctuation of the dialogue. If there's an exclamation point or a question mark, it's there for a reason. And I need to make sure that that reason is expressed when I say that line. That's a really big key that actors forget about in the beginning. If, they, if casting or the director is watching that self-tape and they don't hear the question mark, they don't feel the exclamation point, that's a, that's a, that's a check mark. That's not good. Okay. Also, now I've, I've written the notes. I emphasize certain words. So as an example, I have a script in front of me here that um, – I just finished the coaching before the podcast. So the, the the character is Vadim, and he says, you're not being very polite. I'm speaking to you. It's really rude for you to turn your back on someone when they are speaking to you. Okay, so that's the dialogue. But I find a word. So I put on, my, on a note to myself on the side, frustrated here, okay, but still staying calm to try to get the point across. You're not being very polite. I'm speaking to you, comma, it's very rude to turn your back on someone when they are speaking to you. So I emphasize the you at the end, and I emphasize the rude, and I emphasize turn your back, right? So I find, I find different words in the little paragraph that make sense to me that I want to emphasize, and why do I want to emphasize them? Because that's part of me. If I were speaking these lines as Jake, I would be emphasizing these here. You're not being very polite. I don't want to be too strong on that one because that's where most of the actors are going to go. You are not being very polite. They're going to emphasize that with their tone of voice, and they're going to say it louder. But there's no exclamation point there. It's just a period. So I say you are not being very polite. So I say it firmly, but I don't say it loud, okay, because I'm starting the conversation to get that person's attention. Then I amp it up a little bit. I'm speaking to you. It's very rude. It is very rude to turn your back on someone when they are speaking to you, okay? Now I have the opportunity to get in there and say that dialogue a little bit faster and have it mean something a little bit more. Instead of just saying, I am speaking to you. It is very rude to turn your back on someone when they are speaking to you. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't have any, any effect on the listener or the audience. It has to mean something to me. So when you find the dialogue, you're writing the Actable adjectives, I call them off to the side, to help remind you of your tone. And then you have to find certain words in each sentence that you are going to pinpoint 
that you're going to focus on with a slightly different tone to emphasize those words. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to get to different relationships um, and feelings, like you said. Right, because um, each paragraph, each paragraph has, it's only a paragraph, it's only four sentences, but if you say all four sentences the same way, you will not get the job. Each paragraph is an opportunity to be split into at least two different ways. So you've got to find how the first sentence of the paragraph is going to sound slightly different than the second sentence in the paragraph. And with each scene, if you receive more than one scene that you have to do for the self-tape, each scene is a different side to the character. And so each side has to show and sound like a different emotion. So one scene can come across very genuine and real, while the other scene has to be then slightly frustrated or confused. And then the other scene has to be slightly demanding and, and, um, and coming to a point where you are not going to deal with this anymore. These are all just examples. But we have, when there are two or three scenes that you are um, self-taping and delivering to a casting person, if all of those scenes are done and said the same way, you're dead in the water. You'll never get the job. It's the actor's right. responsibility to find the different emotional parts of the same character by using these different scenes. These different scenes are specifically written to reveal different parts of the character. So that's your job as an actor is to show that revelation. Right. Oh, that's amazing. <clears throat> um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, something for someone uh, to really get. Uh, did you study, uh, did you come up with that by yourself? By, uh, did you study a certain um, teacher that instilled that into you? Or? Yes, it's a combination is what I've discovered, truly. I, I started with the Meisner class at a school I honestly don't even remember. I think it was in Santa Monica. And I, I, no disrespect to the school or the teacher, I just, Meisner just wasn't for me. It was too much, you know, the repetitive back and forth. I'm an acting coach. I'm an acting coach. I'm an acting coach. I'm an acting coach. I mean, the whole, you know, it was too micromanaging for me. I really found my first home with acting coach John Kirby. He's amazing. Okay. And he's been around forever coaching. Um, he's, you know, a famous coach to actors like Jim Caviezel and all these other big names. His father, Bruce Kirby, who, God rest his soul, just passed away a couple of weeks ago, was a huge character actor for 60-plus years. He was in every TV show and movie you could ever heard. So John grew up with this amazing character actor as his father in his home. So he was around the business. He was just absorbing it all the time. And John's brother is the famous actor Bruno Kirby. Now, Bruno passed away also several years ago, unfortunately, but Bruno was famous from being in The Godfather, Basketball Diaries. He's um, the best friend in When Harry Met Sally, you know, to Billy Crystal. He's in um, Three Amigos. He's in, um, you know, so many of these amazing movies that he's been in, but he always played the second male lead. 
right? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. whether he was a good guy or a bad guy didn't matter. He was always the second male. That was Bruno. But Bruno had a huge career, if you look him up on IMDb. So I said, you know what? John's got this amazing pedigree. He's got this amazing family of successful actors. He's going to know what he's talking about. And it's kind of a scene study class. He uses plays. And everybody gets a big scene out of each play. And you get assigned a partner. And you work on it for three weeks. So the first week you put it up, you have your lines memorized. And you deliver the play, the scene from the play, the best you can. And he gives you notes and redirection. And you take that and you come back the second week with those notes and redirection. And now you're adding more of an emotional connection now because you're off book. You're not worried about your dialogue. You have your notes and your, and your redirection and you're focusing on all that. And then the third week you present again, but it's really kind of the perfect polished best self tape ever kind of idea, which I love. Cause right. I, I always wanted to reach the part where I wasn't just learning but then I could present a finished product that I could be proud of. And that's what he that's did weird. in that class. And I really, I needed those three weeks to work on the same project too. I didn't want it to just be one week. And then the next week I had a different scene. I wanted more time to really dive into it, do the research and, and feel the accomplishment. And so that's where I really, I really, I think, started to to flourish was in his class now john kirby primarily focuses on uta hagen so u-t-a-h-a-g-e-n and her famous book is um uta hagen's um acting oh gosh what's it called there's another uh, i hate this when i can <laughs> i draw a blank when i'm thinking about it um let me look it up in here but that's the book and it was really great. And I read it. And I read it like in one night. Respect for Acting. Uta Hagen's Respect for Acting. That's the book. And it kind of changed my whole perspective. Where I could, if I, if I had never been a doctor before, I could still play one. Because I could think about parts of my life that I could transfer over to the dialogue that would relate. So that when I was speaking as a doctor to a patient, even though I had never been in that situation, I could do so with medical knowledge and with kindness and concern, you know, but, and and incorporate. So it really taught you how to put yourself in a position that the dialogue would feel really comfortable to you, even if you had never been in that position before, even if you had never played that character before. And and it gave me the confidence to do that, or at least to try it um, with with uh, interest and excitement to do that. So I really, I, I think that was the one. But along the way, I've, I've picked up bits and pieces. You know, part of, of my success, I think, is keeping it real, even when I'm funny in comedy shows or whatever. If you base it in reality and you don't try to be funny, it's easier. Don't try to be evil. Yeah. Don't try to be mean. Don't try to be the funny clown. Just let the dialogue, trust the dialogue to do the work that it's supposed to do. And then you just with, with a little bit of your behavior and a little bit of your tone of voice, right, you can deliver that material so it's unique to you. Because no one else is like you. Even, you know, 25 actors are going to read the same dialogue and come in. But something about you 
is going to make it a little different. Maybe you say it a little faster. Maybe you have a little more beats and pauses. Maybe it's the reaction on your face when the other character is speaking to show that, you know, always show casting or listening, even in the self-tapes. When the other reader is reading, when the other dialogue is being spoken, you have to be focused still. You have to be reacting to that dialogue that you're listening to. That's part of the reason you get the job, too. Yeah, and putting all that together. Yes. Um, definitely. Um, now, you, you've had to switch to the self-tape method. Um, what have you been finding that has uh, created success in, in, in doing self-tapes? Because uh, that's a, a little bit different than being in a room with the casting director. Yeah, it sure is, man. <laughs> Oh, I loved being – at first it was it terrified me, of course, in the beginning of my career to be in the room, right, because it felt like a do-or-die situation. And I wanted to impress the casting director so much. I wanted it to be perfect. And then I realized, and through the help of some casting, Jake, take a breath. It's going to be okay. All right, let's do it again. Took my breath, did it again, felt a little bit more relaxed, and just concentrated on looking at them. I don't I, – I, when I'm in the room, I read right to the reader. So sometimes it's the casting director, sometimes it's their assistant, I don't know. But I read right to them, and I make that person who I'm reading with the person who's actually in that scene with me. I make them that. So if they're, if they're a grandmother, I make them my grandmother. If they're a doctor, I make them my doctor. If they're the bully at school, I make them the bully at school so that they can feel it when I'm talking to them. I'm looking at them in their eyes. And I'm using them, even though they're, you know, half asleep and hungry and it's, a, you know, they've been doing this for six hours straight. I don't care. I make them that person when I speak to them in that room. And I miss that energy that I was able to create in the room that the camera would pick up. I'd, I didn't worry about the camera. Camera was going to figure it out. I knew where to look because they were always sitting or standing right next to the camera. So I was like, you know, the camera picked me up. I don't worry about that. I'm going to focus on this person who's reading with me. That's where all my energy is going to. Now, in the self-tape, you can't do that. So in the self-tape, I kind of have to focus just to the left of the camera, just to the right of the camera. So I usually ask the reader to kind of stand right there so that I can use their eye line and kind of direct it to them. That helps me a little bit personally. So I have a human being right there. Not somebody on a phone somewhere reading my lines. All my self-tapes are done with a real human live person reading the other dialogue. Because I like to see, that helps me, remind me of being in the room. So I focus my energy right on their face when I talk to them. Right? So whether it's a comedy or drama, it doesn't matter. I focus it right there. And that helps me a lot to get my, keep my energy and to keep my focus. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> real, real uh, great techniques and whatnot. Um, so these days uh, you're working on um, different uh, types of uh, work besides acting. Um, what, what are you working on, on and, and what got you uh, to kind of switch, switch up? To switch out from the acting? Um, as far as like uh, creating like uh, different um productions or directing or whatnot. Oh, right, right. Well, I wanted to keep busy. Okay. So, you know, there's ebbs and flows in this business. So, you know, there were times where I wasn't getting auditions every week. 
So what am I going to do? Well, why don't I just keep working on expanding my resume? So I take another class. Or I would jump on social media and see that somebody was looking to audition for um, a stage reading. Well, I would go. I'd go to the stage reading. Or I'd, I'd send them a little note. Like, How can I audition? You know, I would submit myself on LA Casting, submit myself on Actors Access for SAG New Media, SAG Low Budget, SAG Ultra Low Budget Productions, right? Keep myself moving that way. Um, I told myself, you know, at one point, like, I was afraid to do stand-up. So I said, let me take a stand-up class so I'm less afraid. And then after I took the stand-up class, I asked the instructor, I said, you know, if I write something, would you put me up one night? You know, on one of your open mic nights? Yeah. So I wrote something. He approved it. He put me up. Well, I did so well on the open mic night. He said, can you come back on Sunday night? I'll make you my headliner. The headliner. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Do the same material. Don't change anything. Okay, great. And then I headlined. And I made sure that somebody recorded it. And it's up on Google, YouTube, somewhere on there. It's me at the Improv on Melrose in Hollywood, headlining on a Sunday night. Because I just, you know, this business does not work well if it's fear-based. You are unique and special as an actor. And it's difficult for us to embrace that when we get rejection all the time by not getting the job. So we have to keep reminding ourselves that, that we're, we're okay. We're in this to win it. And we're going to figure it out. And we're going to work hard. And it's going to be okay. But you have to keep busy to do those things. If you're not busy then you get sad and depressed and lonely and frustrated and anxiety ridden. So I was like, okay, what's next? I want to learn how to write. So I found a writing class that was only 20 bucks a month right off of um, like Wilcox and Fountain in Hollywood. It's all about the research, constantly going through social media, finding where the best deals are. And I went and I took this writing class every week on Monday nights for about six months, taking notes and reading other people's scripts, just as the actor is the reader, and then taking notes when the writer would get feedback. And then I would try to write. And I said, okay, it's frustrating. I don't, uh, how am I going to do this? And all my writer friends would say, just open up you know, your Microsoft Word and type in a couple of character descriptions and then create a scene and then write a scene about stuff. And then when you do it, write, write the subtext. What are you really trying to say? And write that on the side. And then just write a little scene of two people in a cafe or two people outside of a therapist's office or two people, you know, waiting to go in for a job interview or whatever it is. And just create it and write. And then that's how I started writing. And then I came up with ideas of what I would write about, you know. And then I'm, I'm watching other people's plays. I'm going to see their plays, and it's giving me ideas, right? And so I just kept little by little. Every night I would write for like 30 minutes, and then I found myself writing for one hour. And then I found myself coming up with great ideas that I liked to write for a movie or a TV show or a web series or a play. And it just builds on its own, but you have to start by writing something. And you can, you know, I tell actors when I coach them all the time in the beginning of their career, what should I do? I said, write your own monologue. Write a 59, 60 second uh, monologue. Because if you don't have any tape, you don't have any clips, your representation is going to need to see you. So write a monologue. What are you going to write the monologue about? I don't know. Well, have it incorporate something about you. What do you do for a living on the side? What's your side hustle job? You know, you can be a volunteer at an animal rescue shelter. 
You could be um, a, a tax accountant. You could be um, somebody who teaches soccer to kids. Whatever it is that you do that you like, make that the character who's talking. And then write something interesting and funny about an experience you had. 60 seconds, a couple of paragraphs. That's your monologue. But it's a monologue that not everybody else has seen before. So when a potential agent or manager or even casting director gets the clip now to watch that monologue, they're not watching you try to be Al Pacino and Scarface. They've already seen that. It's already been done really well. Don't do a monologue of somebody else's stuff. Write your own monologue. That's more interesting and unique. These are the opportunities we have to do stuff. What should I do? Write a monologue. What should I do? Start writing every day. Write about something that could be a play or it could be a movie or it could be a web series. Just start writing. Right? Learn something new. Do something different that you never thought about. That's, it's all connected to the entertainment industry, but it doesn't always have to be focused on just acting, just being an actor. All these things are connected, and they're connected in this industry. And the more people see you as just not just an actor, but they see you as a human being and a person with other interests and skills, interesting. That could possibly help you get a job. <laughs> as a fuller person or whatnot um, and able to, you know, get into different characters and psychologies. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, definitely appreciate you uh, for dropping by and sharing all, all this amazing uh, knowledge and wisdom with us. Uh, you know, it's very, very uh, valuable, uh, you know, uh, for all the different actors in the world. Um, I just started networking um, with some actors from India and the Middle East uh, that are all looking to create and uh, work. Uh, so, so I'm about to start collaborating with them on some different uh, scripts I've been working on and um, producing and directing some stuff, um, some different gear and cameras I got. And, you know, just, just creating, getting in that uh, co-creation uh, mode because uh, that's how, you know, you can put yourself in better positions uh but again uh appreciate you jake for uh coming on the podcast and uh stopping by you've been amazing uh thank you so so much thank you for having me this was fun i enjoyed it oh no doubt i'll be sending you the link as soon as uh, i'm done processing okay you're welcome yeah all right i mean that'd be amazing and uh, good luck on your future endeavors, and hopefully we can work together on a project soon. That'd be a, that'd be great. Thank you so much. I think we will, Vic, as we put it out into the universe now. So there's something really good going to come from this. Uh, that'd be uh, dope, dope, amazing. Thank you so much, and take care, and uh, we'll, we'll speak soon. <clears throat> All right, take care. And there you have it, everybody. The great Jake O'Flaherty who stopped by and shared so much. Um, and, uh, you know, if you guys, uh, Jake, are you still there? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, for everybody that wants to actually reach out to you and, and connect with you, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that we got that in there. Or where can uh, people connect with you? Okay, well, my website is www.jakeoflaherty.com. That's J-A-K-E-O-F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y.com. And you can also find me on Instagram um, at 
Jake of LA, and you can send me a DM there, and I can reach out to you from there as well. Perfect, perfect. I sure, I got. Uh, we, you know, we got that in there for for everybody to reach out to you. Uh, but thanks again, and have a great rest of your uh, weekend evening. <clears throat> thanks. You too. Take care, guys. Bye. And uh, there you have it, the great Jake O'Flaherty. He just said where you can reach him, his website, uh, everything like that. Uh, be sure to connect with him, and uh, you guys can make it happen. Uh, my site is at MoscovaEnterprises.com. If you need any kind of uh, social media strategy help or, you know, help building your business credit or personal credit or anything like that, uh, we can help you get that situated, as I love that kind of stuff as well as the different acting and uh, modeling and different work that, uh, you know, I've been able to be part of my whole, uh, you know, for a good part of my life now. So thank you to the listeners. I appreciate you uh, for, you know, just listening, even if you don't share it, but please do. Um, you know, you're, you're amazing. Uh, you know, from listeners all over the U.S. of A to Canada, to the different countries in Africa and Europe, uh, you know, like Australia, New Zealand, uh, Japan. Yes, I finally remember to shout out Japan. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, peace out and uh, one love. Thank you. You can find, uh, go to Dancing Life on my Instagram, dot com slash v muscova or anywhere. Thanks, guys. Peace out.